Well, I wanted to start out by playing a video for you. Um, this is from 1989, so that's before some of you were even born. I was a senior in high school, and my mom received an award from the, the school's PTA. It was their annual leadership award, and so it was kind of a big deal and a small deal. And, um, and so they asked, they asked some members of our family to come and give a little speech to introduce her. Well, so this is, here's me at 18 talking about my mom. For the last four years, I've played water polo, and what that basically means is for the last four fall seasons, I've come home as a grump. <laughs> and I come home, throw my bag on the desk, ask what's for dinner. If I don't like it, grumble a lot and not talk. And just, if she'll say anything, I'll bite her head off. She'll always know when to say something, when to be quiet, to uh, finalize it. Just one thing that Day after day, since elementary school, with a few exceptions, this mother, this mom, <laughs> has, not, has not allowed me to get out of the house without a packed lunch, including a sandwich, <laughs> chips, fruit, ice cream, and cookies. <laughs> Plus a napkin at the bottom, but in case I spill on myself. <laughs> Man, I could watch that hug over and over again. Um, I came prepared. So, so my mom had the the luxury of being able to stay home while I was growing up. She was home when I left for school. Uh, she was home when I came home. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful to have a mom who was there all the time. And, and through high school, I, once I started to drive, my sister went off, my older sister went off to college. And uh, so my, my mom started to work part-time. She went to school, took some classes, and, um, and started to work a little bit. And I remember her sharing with me much later in life as in my adult life, but I remember her sharing back in my high school days how she used to get some criticism. She used to get some flack from the, the neighborhood moms. And we had a great neighborhood we lived in. Um, and it, we were all pretty close. And from the other neighborhood, moms would start to give her some, some criticism for working and not necessarily being there like when I came home from school. Uh, and even though this was just part-time. And remember, I mean, this was back in the 80s. It was a very different time. Working moms were still kind of a novelty, a, a, a novel idea. Um, but my mom, as we got independent, my mom wanted to kind of do some more stuff. And so she did. Uh, but but I, I, I couldn't shake this feeling as she was sharing this to me as an adult now, um, the, the pressure and the criticism that she got for taking a part-time job and going back to school. Um, and so as I thought about Mother's Day, I thought about the pressure that all of you women are under. I thought about the criticism that you get from inside your family, 
from outside your family. And, and I started to think that whether, whether you are a mom, a stepmom, a mom-to-be, an auntie, a sister, a friend, no matter what role you have, there is somebody who looks up to you. And then chances are, there's someone who looks down on you. And you feel that pressure. And you feel that. So, so, so I, want, I want to do a little check-in here. For, and, and I'm going to be talking primarily to the ladies. Guys, don't worry. You, you'll get your chance in a month. Okay? Um, but for you, I, I, I want to check in. So have you ever felt criticized for your parenting, your cooking, your cleaning, saying the wrong thing, not doing the right thing? Maybe it's your clothes, your hair, your house, your job. Maybe it's not having any kids at all, or not having enough kids, or having too many kids, or having bad kids, or too good kids, whatever it is. I think I, I hear, I, I watch firsthand and I hear secondhand the, the words of critique that you receive. I think, and then the other place where I think this comes up is the expectations that get thrust upon you. Whether they're expectations from your mom or your mother-in-law, from your husband, your kids. Maybe it's the other moms in your family, in your play groups, or maybe it's just the mommy blogs that make you feel like you're so terrible of a mother. But there are all kinds of places. We live in a world that seems bent on telling us the things we are doing wrong. All around us are places to make us feel like we fall short. And we don't measure up. So if you're tired of feeling like you don't measure up, God's got some good words for you today. God's got some really good words that he wants to say to you today. So I, I, I'm going to talk about, today we're going to talk about a passage out of Romans. Now Romans is one of the most theologically rich books in the whole Bible. I mean, it is a theology textbook that Paul wrote, and, and it is packed full of amazing stuff. So here's, here's kind of your three-minute overview of at least the first half of Romans. Romans 1 to 3. Romans 1 to 3 talks about our sin. Romans 1 to 3 is where we live when we feel like we're a failure. So if you're feeling like a failure right now, you're kind of living in Romans 1 through 3. And then go, goes on from 3 through 5, Paul shifts. And he starts to talk about how we are made righteous because of Christ. Uh, in theology terms, that's called justification. We are justified before God because of Christ's death on the cross. And we're not stuck in our sin and failure. We're not stuck in chapters 1 through 3. Paul continues through 3 through 5 and says there is hope because of Jesus Christ. We are not stuck in our sin. And then Paul continues 6 through 8. And in 6 through 8, Paul talks about how we are transformed by God. 
not just transformed in eternity, but I'm talking right here, on earth, in our lives, how we are transformed by God. And 6 and 8, 6 through 8, chapter 6, Paul talks about how believers, if you are a follower of Christ, if you have said yes to Jesus, you are freed from the power of sin. And you are empowered to live new lives. That's pretty good news. Now, chapter 7, Paul shifts. Chapter 7, he shifts and he starts to talk about and describe the struggle of the believer who's living in their own flesh, by their own strength, and not by the strength of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's this contrast. Paul's talking about living by your own strength, doing hard, working harder, trying to be a better person, and not living by the power of the Holy Spirit. So chapter 7 talks about this, this struggle of life. And let me know if any of this sounds familiar. You're struggling to overcome sin. You're not bearing godly fruit in your life. Or you're returning to your old ways of behaving, of talking. You're going back to old things that you thought you had gotten rid of. That's, that's the struggle of chapter 7. And then chapter 8 is this amazing chapter that talks about how we have victory in Christ. We have victory over our failures. We have victory over our sins. And chapter 8 begins with these words. And I'm going to be reading. So this is Romans 8, if you like to follow along. And I'm going to be reading this out of the, the New Living Translation version. It's a little easier to understand, and I find that's really helpful for some the complex passages. So here it is. Now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. You might also be familiar with it for those who are in Christ Jesus, out of the NIV version. For there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Let these words sink in. No condemnation. No condemnation. That's an incredible promise for us that live in a world that always seems to make us feel like we don't measure up. Whether, whether it's online social media, whether it's our family, whether it's, whether it's politics, whether it's TV, movies, whatever you watch, we live in a world that is constantly bombarding us with how we don't measure up to somebody else. And Paul says there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Okay? Then he says, he explains why there's no condemnation. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So did you follow his logic? Here it is. You can follow along. First, do you belong to Jesus? I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you grew up Christian right now, today, right here. Do you belong to Jesus? And if you do, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. That Holy Spirit gives you power. That power frees you from sin. That's Paul's logic, and that's some pretty good logic, I'd say. So next, Paul goes, goes on, and he makes a reference to the Old Testament. He makes a reference to the Old Testament. Here it is. 
the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Now, for the Israelites, the law couldn't save them. And God gave them the law. It was a good thing. It explained how the Israelites could live in relationship with God. So it was good, but it couldn't save them. It couldn't save them because of their sin. They always fell short of the law. They could never live up to it. Now, we, we don't live by the Old Testament law today. But you know what? We all have our Christian rules that we follow or that we believe we should follow. We all have them. Maybe, maybe they're the list of things that were indoctrinated to you as a child when you grew up going to church. Maybe it's that list of things. This is what a Christian should do. I do some of those things, so I must not be a Christian, or if I am, I'm a sucky Christian. I'm a lousy Christian. Those are those rules, and we all have them in our head, and we're either conscious about them or not conscious about them. And those rules, we can never live up to them. No matter what your list is, you can't live up to them. Whatever my list is, I can't live up to them. It's because of our sin nature. We can't do it. So what's God's solution? What's God's solution for all of this? Well, he goes on to explain. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son, Jesus Christ, in a body like the bodies we sinners have. He didn't come down as a vapor. He didn't come down kind of like human, but still mostly God. No, he came down fully God and fully human. And he came down to be like us. He came down to be with us. And that's the solution. That's the solution. Christ coming down is the solution for the Old Testament law and for all of our rules for what it means to be a Christian. And ladies, it's also your solution for feeling like a failure. For those moments where you feel you don't measure up to what your family says you should be, what your culture says you should be, what your society says you should be, when you don't feel like you measure up, Jesus Christ coming down, fully God, fully human. That's the solution. Well, how is it the solution? Paul continues. And in that body... God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Now that's good news. This word gospel you hear a lot around churches, it's just the Greek word for good news. Now that's good news. Jesus died to break sin's control over you. Jesus died to rescue you from your own destruction, from your own terrible thoughts, from your own guilt, from your own shame, from your your own spiraling into darkness. Jesus died to save you from that, to save you from condemnation. So why did God do this? Why did God do this? 
He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but follow instead the Spirit. He did this because sin has to be punished. Wrongdoing has to be made right. God is holy and God is just. God is holy so he cannot live in the presence of sin. He cannot be in the presence of sin. And God is just to say that wrongdoing, that sin has to be punished. God would not be just if he did not punish sin. And so he sent Jesus Christ to take that punishment and, and make us, in God's eyes, righteous. And what's amazing is that brings us back to the beginning of the passage. No condemnation. Jesus died to free us from condemnation. And it goes back to verse 1. So what is all of this? What is all of this, this little theological lesson for today, have to do with Mother's Day? This is probably a bit unconventional of a Mother's Day sermon for you. I didn't preach on Proverbs 31 or Esther or, or any of the women you typically hear around Mother's Day. No. I had to do a little theology lesson out of Romans. Why? So to answer this, to answer the why, I'm indebted to an author by the name of Matt Redman. He has, has a book out right now, The God of the Mundane. And, um, and, and this, this message was inspired by one of his blog posts. So I want to give him credit. If this is interesting to you, I can, I can post this up. You can look up that. The book actually sounds very interesting because my life feels very mundane sometimes. So um, that might be a summer read for me. Uh, but so thank, thank you to Matt Redman for inspiring the direction of this service or this, this message. So let's return back to the first verse. Let's go back to the first verse that we talked about. Now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So to all the women out there, all the ladies, whether you're a mother or not, if you are in Christ Jesus, you should have no fear of condemnation because you stand before God righteous because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross on your behalf. So ladies, even though you may feel like it, you are not condemned for being tired. You are not condemned if you can't cook. You're not condemned if your house is a mess right now. You are not condemned for not having kids. You are not condemned for not wanting kids. You are not condemned for not having enough kids or the right kids or well-behaved kids. You are not condemned. You are not condemned for your miscarriages. You are not condemned by your divorce. You are not condemned because you want to unfollow that person on Facebook that always seems to post up the perfect parent moments with their kids. 
and you, that doesn't seem to be your life, and you secretly hate them, you are not condemned if you want to unfollow that person. You are not condemned for wanting a break from your kids. You're not condemned from wanting, for wanting a vacation without the family. You are not condemned because you've gained weight. You're not condemned if your body isn't what it used to be. You're not condemned if your mother-in-law calls you lazy. You're not condemned if you don't wake up early enough for your in-laws. You're not condemned if you don't want to breastfeed or can't breastfeed. And you are not condemned when your kid has a meltdown in the middle of the store and everyone's staring at you and, and thinking that you must be a terrible parent. You are not condemned when your kid has a meltdown. You are not condemned if you feed your kids meals that don't come from Whole Foods. You are not condemned if the best you could do is scrap together a little something for them for dinner. And you are not condemned for your own personal sins and failures. You are not condemned. So mothers, single women, married women, single women who wish they were married, married women who wish they were single, for all of you, you may feel at times condemned. But if you are in Christ, you are not. That is the true reality. When you feel like you don't measure up to whatever model you have in mind, whatever model your mom, your mother-in-law, your culture has in mind, when you don't fit that model, you are not condemned. Because you belong to Christ. Your identity is in Christ. Your salvation is in Christ. It's not in your marital status or your mother's status. That doesn't define who you are or who you are not. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, enjoy the unending love, affection, and acceptance that comes down to you from your Father in heaven. If you are in Christ, that is the true reality. And now a word for all of you who are not mothers. Or women. So guys, a word for all of you, and actually for some of the ladies as well. Do nothing as husbands, sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, in-laws, friends. Do nothing to ever diminish this reality. 
never. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you that there, because of Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation for us. Lord, that you love us so much that you sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we may have everlasting life with you and free us from the condemnation that we feel from ourselves, that we feel from the world around us. God, thank you for Jesus Christ. And I thank you for all of our mothers in all of that was amazing in them, Lord, and all of the times they failed and they fell short themselves. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that they, they are. God, and the ways, even in small ways and big ways, that they blessed us and loved us and nurtured us. And, and all that was great in our moms and all that is great in our moms comes from you. Lord, and so I thank you for our moms, and I thank you for our aunties and our grandmas, for our sisters and our friends who walk alongside us and carry us through and celebrate with us in the great times and hold us and carry us in the hard times. So we thank you. We thank you for you, our Father, and all the mothers in all their different forms that you've blessed us with here on earth. And I thank you and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.